Welcome back to Illini Weekly, a crazy week in Illinois, specifically Illinois football. I'm Joey Wagner, sports reporter with the Herald Review. We're here with Mark Tupper, executive sports editor, Illini beat writer. Uh, first things first, quarterback change. We got Jeff George Jr. moving into the starting role, Chase Crouch moving into what they call the third string. We'll see mm -hmm. kind of what that entails on Saturday at Iowa. Mark, you thought this should have happened if I'm getting the right vibe after the South Florida game. I thought so, um, you know, but they had a lot invested in Chase, um, and so they wanted to see a little bit more. I'm surprised that they didn't do something partway through the Nebraska mm -hmm. game, at the second half at least, um, but they didn't. And uh, But they knew that they had to do it now. I mean, not only, um, you know, I mean, they watched the same game <laughs> everybody else did. It's just not happening. And uh, I think the players on the team understand it, too. And when the players on the team sense it, the coaches need to react to that, I think, to a certain degree. And um, so they're going to make the change, and Jeff George will start. Um, I think it's very important to say that that doesn't, no matter what, that doesn't make Illinois suddenly a great football team, right? I mean, there's a lot of things going on there. That offensive line is not blocked well, and partly because they've had no continuity. They've been moving people around. Um, I think they're going to move them around one more time. They're going to get Doug Kramer back, the center who started the season there, hurt his leg. Um, that's kind of started this movement, and um, and then this will allow them to move Nicky Allegretti to guard where he's better. Um, so there's that. Um, they got to get the ball into the hands of their playmakers. That's part of what's going on with the quarterback change. You got to get you, you got to get the ball in Mikey Dudek's hands, Malik Turner's hands, Ricky Smalling's hands. Um, you got to do that. And then defensively, they've got to tighten things up. They showed real promise, um, you know, for a couple games, uh, and then went down to South Florida and played a, a pretty good team, and uh, got kind of knocked around there, and then really got knocked around by a Nebraska team that had been struggling. So you're going to face Iowa Saturday, a team that's lost its first two Big Ten games, um, albeit to a really good Penn State team, and uh, a Michigan State team that I don't know how good they are, to be honest. Um, but they've had some, Iowa's had some issues, so we'll see if Illinois can take advantage. Yeah, I think after South Florida was interesting to me because – to be with all things to be fair to Illinois and South Florida, I think you probably expected to come back from Tampa two and one after that that game. I mean, you right. never want to pencil a game out, but no doubt. To be fair, that's a very good, very ranked South Florida team, and then you've got a bye week, so you've got this time that I thought they could have got Jeff George building some more continuity with the receivers in that first team unit, and really getting him a chance to to get going. And you know what? Even midway through Nebraska, when this pretty obvious that Chase Crouch just wasn't the answer. There was still a chance to, to salvage that game and come out and still come out 3-1 and one. And, and to get your first win in Big Ten, your Big Ten opener to get a win. I was surprised, I think you may have been too, that they didn't make a move at some point during that Nebraska game. Yeah, they didn't. Um, and they ended up with drives that settled for early field goals instead of touchdowns. And, and I know there's been a lot of criticism of the play calling, and I get that. I haven't been happy with it all the time either. I do. I would say, though, that it's been hard to call plays when your freshmen are making the number of mistakes that they've been making, both on the offensive line and, and um, at different positions, uh, particularly offensively. It's just been hard. Um, but um, we'll see what, what they can do this week. Um, the thing that Iowa has not done, and it's really surprised me, is they've not run the ball. 
and Iowa's always been a team that runs the ball well. In their two Big Ten games combined, they've run for 101 yards and over 40 carries. Um, what happened is one of their two running backs, they've got 2,000-yard running backs returning. One of them, um, Achilles injury, injury, and he's out. Um, they all, uh, excuse me, an- uh, I think it's ankle injury, maybe your elbow injury, and he's out. Achilles injury to their starting uh, senior offensive tackle. And so not unlike Illinois, their offensive line has been changes and experiments, and, and they haven't had the continuity that they normally have, and, um, and that's hurt them. Um, what, and the other thing is turnovers. Last year, they lost two fumbles the whole season. This year, so far, they've lost eight, eight fumbles, and um, that's really unusual for Iowa. And if Illinois can take advantage of that, keep that going, um, that would at least have you, give you an opportunity to make it a closer game. I don't think Illinois wins this game unless the circumstances are completely bizarre, but um, it would be interesting to see a closer game. And Iowa's got to get that fixed because they've ended up throwing the ball pretty well. Their quarterback's got 12 touchdown passes, one interception, but it's that running game. And, you know, Iowa over the years, 19 years with Kirk Ferentz, the the coaching continuity allows you to do a lot of things. You're not changing coordinators all the time. You're not changing assistants. You're never changing philosophy. So your players come in year after year after year. They learn the same thing. They learn the same terminology, and they do things a certain way. And with Iowa, it's keep it simple. Run, pass when you need to, defend a certain way, but do execute everything really, really well and play very physical. And, uh, and this year it's been hard for them to get back to that, and uh, I think that's their goal. Saturday's homecoming, and uh, they don't want to start out 0-3. This would be a bad loss for them. They know that. Uh, so um, I, think you'll see them, I think you'll see them make some strides. And one thing Iowa usually has is a stable of offensive linemen. I know they are a little banged up, but if you look traditionally, they've had big, big offensive linemen that have translated to playing on Sundays. So they may be banged up, but you feel like they probably got a couple guys in the reserve ready to come in and play well, or at least you know, show some flashes of playing well. Uh, an interest, a really interesting thing going into this game is Chase Crouch, number three quarterback. I was surprised by that. I was really surprised if you're confident enough to let him start your Big Ten opener. What did you see that makes him fall from your first string quarterback to your third string quarterback? And I, I think you, are there going to be any Chase Crouch sightings? Are there going to yeah. be any Cam Thomas sightings? Because it sounded like they wanted to redshirt this kid, and you look up, and he's your second string quarterback. Yeah, they really like him a lot. He's really fast. Uh, he's got a strong arm. Um, I, I expect Chase to get in the game. It just makes too much sense to to put him on the field if they are in some short yardage or goal line situations. The way he can run the ball, I, you know, whether you like him or don't like him, I think most people would say, "Hey, he is a he's a hard nosed runner." Um, and in that situation, to have him available to keep the ball um, makes some sense to me. So I won't be surprised if they use him in that regard. And I wouldn't be entirely surprised if they had a wildcat package um, with Cam Thomas in there. I just they like what he does. I think looking forward, and this would be an indication, if they don't think either Crouch or George is the long-range answer, then maybe they're willing to burn a redshirt year and start getting Thomas some exposure rather than next year have him completely raw um, to college football as they also bring in Coran Taylor and all that kind of stuff. So I won't be surprised to see anything tomorrow, but I kind of expect to see Chase in some kind of a running role. 
Yeah, and you mentioned Karan Taylor. Uh, right in our backyard, kind of our backyard, it's our, our neighborly yard, I should say. Peoria High's quarterback, he dominated at Champaign in the state championship game last year. Yep. Aaron Ferguson of the Peoria Journal Star was kind enough to send us over some stats for Karan Taylor. And the Peoria High's much maligned defense, which um, yeah. is starting to get some state-wide yeah. recognition. But the point is, their offense scores a lot of points. Karan Taylor is at the heart of that. And Karan Taylor hasn't played five quarters this season, five quarters this season because they've been up so big. But here are his stats. 65 rushes, 722 yards, 10 touchdowns. 57 of 109 passing, which is a 52% completion rate. For 1,177 yards, 14 touchdowns, and three interceptions. So I think it goes back to the same thing that you said. If if you don't see what you want to see from Jeff George, I don't think they've seen what they've wanted to see from Chase Crouch. I think that much is obvious. And you know maybe you know maybe you got a, a quarterback. Maybe you have a freshman and a redshirt freshman, or probably most likely a sophomore, really competing hard for the starting job next year. And, and look, Jeff George should come out, play incredibly well. This could all be for naught, but it's not all gloom and doom, I wouldn't think. There's some at least talent. I mean, those numbers are against the high school competition, but hey, those are good numbers for not playing five quarters as you go into week seven. All of the but the season. completion percentage, you know, yeah. that bothers me a little bit. Um, but everybody knows he's pretty talented, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see when he gets here. Um, and, you know, I, I, Jeff George, I, re- I covered Jeff George's uh, college, first college start, and it was at Michigan. And you can't you can't have a worse place to start than there. Hundred and eleven thousand. I mean, he was in over his head. The whole team was in over their head. And um, but but he learned from that, and and some of the the rough patches that he had to encounter last year. And remember, he threw two fourth quarter touchdown passes and beat Michigan State last year as well. So he had some success to help learn from as uh, in addition to the the failure. And um, and he's had a whole year to think about that and to practice it and to grow from it. And so you know, I I look for him to be better uh, tomorrow than what we saw last year. I look for him to make some connections with guys. Uh, I hope the play calling gives him that opportunity. And um, I'm looking, I'm kind of looking forward to the game. I don't have any illusions about them winning the game, but I don't think it's unrealistic to say, uh, show some improvement in some areas. That's what I was so disappointed about against Nebraska. I thought they would be able to show improvement and possibly even win the game, given the fact that uh, Nebraska had been struggling. Uh, but that didn't happen, and they weren't even close to it. So that, that was the huge disappointment in that game. Kind of regressed, I think you said, in all phases of the game, top to bottom, I felt like coaching it. and play. Um, and again, real quick, comes back to the offensive line, giving Jeff George time to work and being able to give him time to find those playmakers who there is some speed on the outside. That's not a joke. I mean, they, if he's got time, those guys can break free, and it's about giving them time, and it's certainly about being able to find some holes for those running backs and make sure that defense is playing honest in the passing game. Otherwise, any quarterback is going to be fighting an uphill battle right, if, right. if there's nobody in the box waiting for him. Uh, so I think that's <laughs> kind of all really for Illinois football. Uh, it'd be a very interesting game on Saturday at Iowa. Iowa's a tough place to play as is. Those fans are about really a, difficult. About, yeah, about as rabid as any fans. Uh, but last Saturday there was something really cool that happened at Illinois, and it was the Hall of Fame class. And it was announced over the summer, but Saturday was a chance that they were able to come there, come to Champaign, be introduced to everybody. Dick Butkus was about as moving a speech, I think, as, I mean, how, how moving was that? Was that well, moving it was really moving. Scene? It was really unexpected. It was, just, you know, you, you, I talked to him prior to the ceremony, 
over at the I Hotel after the luncheon. And um, as I was talking to him, you know, I, geez, I grew up watching Butkus play, and um, so he's always been a football kind of idol of mine. And and he's just such a mean, tough. He, he was as a player, you know. I mean, there's just n- nobody like him. And um, so. When you think about a soft side of Dick Butkus, well, you don't think about it because there isn't one, or at least that's what you, you would believe. Um, but but he was so moved, and, and he did say something early in his speech that um, was turned out to be really true. He said, well, you know, I'll turn 75 this year, and he says when you get to be 75, you, you, you do start to reflect more on things. And I thought, okay, you know, that's a nice thing to say, but... Uh, and then he started talking about the impact of going to Illinois and the way they were. He, Dick was married when he came to college, and uh, his high school sweetheart, and and how they had talked to him about that and about trying to accommodate her, and that that was important, and and the housing was going to be important uh, for her as it was for him, and how they've been married for 54 years, I believe he said, and so, or maybe even longer, and 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 he was just saying, you know, those things have made a difference and he said you know I only played pro football for nine years because of injuries and so he said a lot of my life he says I don't know what people think I do I, I don't go home and just watch game film <laughs> you know I've done other things you know remember he was on TV he's he's done a lot of things and not a, not a particularly articulate guy not a scholar by any stretch of the imagination but um, a guy who had had four years of experience in college and Anybody that's been to college will tell you, no matter what they did academically or whatever, that the experience of being on your own, away from home, a lot happens to you in those four years, and you learn a lot. Um, and and I think Dick, in his reflection, realizes that this place in the central part of the state has meant a lot to him and has shaped his life in a lot of ways, and that the people have always reached out to him, and there's a lot, always been love for him there. And um, as he started to speak about this, it started to get the better of him. And um, he really battled it, um, and it was it was something else to watch. I, I was so shocked and surprised and enjoyed it, you know. And I think he, he's the one guy that got a standing ovation when he came up to the microphone. And believe me, when he finished and walked off, they were on their feet. They were roaring for him. And they and and a lot of people were wiping away tears. They appreciated so much that he had kind of let everybody see this, whether he wanted to <laughs> or not. You know this side of him. So I I, I would just say that next year, um, when this comes around again, the second class, and we all we know already, Lou Henson will be in that class. Um, but um, it's a free event. Um, you know, why do we go to games? Why do people go to Illini games? They go to Illini games in part because they hope to be rewarded with a win, with a great game, with some cool plays, whatever, you know. And oftentimes you're not rewarded with that. You come out of there disappointed, uh, disheartened. And um, here's one that you can go to and guaranteed to come out with a reward, guaranteed to come out feeling great, um, um, informed new things you're going to learn about people and the whole th- the whole presentation of it was wonderful and it didn't cost anybody a nickel parking free admission free and the way they had the um, state farm center cordoned off it was gorgeous it was really something 
to see. And I, they only had, I would say they only had about 2,000 people. I, I'd be very disappointed next year if it doesn't double 4,000, 5,000 people. It was so well worth it. One of the best things I've attended over there. And Virginia McCaskey was another one. She was honored, wonderful. And that was just uh, 94 years old. See clips from that and she comes Speaking up Speaking on behalf of her dad, George Alice. Correct. And goes up there and speak, spoke and, and very hey, briefly, I think. The, 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 the track athletes, uh, Craig Virgin, mm -hmm. Um, the track and cross country, volleyball, gymnastics, some of the other sports that we don't think about as often, uh, to listen to these men and women talk about their experiences and how it's changed their lives. It was really moving. The whole, the whole tribute was really good. Absolutely. We uh, transitioned a little bit to basketball. Practice started on Saturday. Yep. I, don't, I know it's been football, 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 especially with the, uh, the, the changes at quarterback and some of the things surrounding the team. But have you got a chance to follow up at all? No, I know the first practice was actually that Saturday of the Hall of Fame, and they got some speakers up there, and Jerry Colangelo spoke to the team. I know that. And, and Manny Jackson. I wrote about that for... Um, um, when you listen to this, hopefully it'll be on Friday. I uh, wrote about that in today, Friday's Herald Review, um, about those guys and their uh, critique of the first practice. And so you can check that out at herald-review.com. But um, practice is off and running. That was a three-hour practice on Saturday, and um, he does not go. He does not go light. I say three-hour Brad Underwood he practice. He goes hard. Brutal. Yeah, you go hard. Uh, so hopefully we'll have a little more know a little more about how the first couple of weeks are lining up. I know there's a basketball media day at some point coming up. Yeah, that's Probably coming up soon. on next week on the 11th, and I've got Brad Underwood coming over Sunday night for my radio show, two hours. I think he and I think Orlando Antigua is coming with him. Um, we're going to do that uh, here in Decatur. That'll be cool, and um, um, we're getting closer. You know, before you know it, we'll be inching up on that opener. Yeah. So any, you know, any hesitance you have for the football program? There's the complete opposite for basketball. Basketball is a well, clean I mean, right slate now, of excitement I think, you know, for now. A lot of excitement. Yes. Uh, so we're going to hop over to our interview with Stephen Bardo and T.J. Wheeler. Two former Illini basketball players. I want to disclaimer this. It was a Sunday morning after a long weekend of work. So initially I did refer in my interview that they played together on the Flying Illini. They, in fact, did not. But once you get past that that hiccup, it was a really good You're interview. You're young. You, you've got an excuse. Yeah, that is the excuse. I was out of coffee, if that's uh, <laughs> any secondary excuse there. We're, they were actually, so a little background, they were over in Mount Zion to cover an IB, cover speak at an IBCA coaches clinic. I was the first of its kind of Mount Zion. It was a really, really cool experience for the clinic. There was a lot of really big voices there, voices that matter. Greg and Alexander was there, uh, assistant. And yep. Jay Spoonhour from Eastern. There was and voices that not only matter in the area, which they had both Millikens, men and women's coach speaking, but voices that resonated throughout the state. Uh, so Stephen Bardo of the Big Ten Network was there. He spoke, and he and TJ Wheeler, who works with East Bay, and set that up, and is probably still as goofy today as he was when Mark covered him and, hey, and is energetic. Glad to hear it. Very fun guy. We had a great discussion about what this state is like. I mean, I'm assuming most of the listeners probably know what the state is like when Illinois basketball is Illinois basketball, but just kind of the feeling around Champaign. And, and as far up, Stephen mentioned as far up as Chicago, and they talked about players they want to look at this season and who they think is going to have a big impact. Uh, they talked about just and Brad, his you know, its ability to kind of mold this program and really make a, a staple and a stamp in recruiting. It was a really good interview. Those guys are very fun. They shared a couple stories. They are fun. They're great from guys. When they were there, Stephen sees a lot of basketball. He does. I mean, Mark watches a lot of basketball. Stephen watches a lot of basketball from all over the Big Ten. No doubt. So he gave us a Big Ten rundown. It was a really fun interview. I enjoyed talking with those guys. So we're going to hop over to that. 
Uh, enjoy. What time is the game on Saturday, Mark? Is 11 a.m. 11 a.m. game, bright and early. For me, bright and early after a long night of Friday football. Uh, enjoy the Illinois-Iowa game. Be an interesting mark for what we see for Illinois. Absolutely. So thanks a lot for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. All right, so we're here at Mount Zion High School with two Flying Illini alums, I guess. It's Stephen Bardo, now of the Big Ten Network. TJ Wheeler works for East Bay. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us here, guys. First of all, this clinic is I mean, pretty cool here at Mount Zion High School. It's an IBCA basketball clinic. I mean, it's a pretty star-studded group with a lot of different basketball minds. Yeah, it's always fun to get around um, high school basketball coaches because that's where the foundation is. I, I know things have changed a little bit. The, the game has shifted. AAU is, has become more prevalent, but it's, this is still the, the backbone and the basis of basketball and basketball development. So I'm, I'm always glad to be here. TJ, you're probably in gyms. Your field house is similar to this almost probably every weekend or a couple times a month. Yeah, it's with East Bay. I do a lot of traveling, so I'm always dealing with the majority of these high school coaches. And uh, that's why I was just telling Steve, I think this field house was bigger than Christopher's whole high school. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting to see, but this is an unbelievable complex right here. Yeah, you've done a lot of high schools who do it like <laughs> this. And I mean, there's an indoor track here. It's crazy what it's like. Um, so, Steven, you do some work with the Big Ten Network. Both of you guys still have some ties and care about Illinois basketball. What are your impressions of Brad Underwood through the first, what are we at now, five or six months that he's been affiliated with the team? Well, Brad came highly recommended. Um, he's a guy that uh, plays a style of play that's going to be attractive to recruits, and that's what we need at Illinois. We need a, a style of play that's going to get people excited, get up and down the floor a little bit, look to score early, put pressure defensively. The, the, the kind of ways that TJ played when he was at Illinois and I played when I was at Illinois, kind of you know, get up, in, get up in people's grills, get up in their face, push the rock, use your athleticism. Uh, and I, I think that his style, he's won everywhere he's been. So I don't, I don't see it changing here. TJ, this has got to be fun for you, just the idea of kind of what this Illinois basketball team might look like on the floor next year. Well, it's got to be, there's got to be change, and, and, and I'm glad they made it sooner than later. And, and like Steve said, I, I think it's up-tempo game that we've not seen that for five or six years. Right. And, and for him to get some of the horses that he wants to bring in and get some of these top-tier recruits, you you got you to put 85 on the board and not 62 like we have been. And if he's going to win, he's got to do that. But I think... Uh, I watched him play a lot last year at Oklahoma State, but he got dealt some pretty good horses that could get up and down the court. Uh, he, he gets the tempo back up the way it was. He's going to get the recruits that we've been losing the last five, six years. Have either of you guys got a chance to, to meet with him or be around him while he's been at Illinois? And what are your impressions of what maybe some of the players think or just kind of what the overall vibe is, the atmosphere is around the program? Well, he's a confident guy because, you know, if you go back, Stephen F. Austin was the most, one of the most successful Division One programs in the country for four or five years running. Then, as, as TJ mentioned, he went to Oklahoma State for one season. Yeah. Right now, he had some horses. Juwan Evans was a, a <laughs> tremendous point guard, but one season, and they were—I uh, think they had a, a losing. I think they started out the Big 12 0 and 6, and rallied to make the tournament, and had Michigan on the ropes in the tournament. So this is—he's a, a qualified coach. He's a competent guy. I've known him for a long time. I know the players will like him because he's a no-nonsense guy. He's going to tell you like it is. 
whether you like it or not. And, you know, hopefully the guys will buy in because it's a style that I think suits uh, today's game. Yeah, that's exactly it is. When you look up and you look like the Golden State Warriors in the NBA, there's five guys, and I don't think they care which position they play, and they can play all five positions for the most part. You guys kind of did that when you played. It was like a positionless basketball. Brad kind of implements that as well, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, and he wants guys. And that's, that's just the game, as you mentioned. Yeah. That's the game now. The bigs need to be skilled. they got to be able to step out and make plays on, on the floor. Uh, and I think that he'll, he'll gradually get that. You know, he's, he's inheriting a team uh, that isn't, doesn't fit his style necessarily. But I think, you know, with the time that he's got, he'll get them going. And it, it, it will look raggedy in November and December. Yeah. But by January, just like he did at Oklahoma State, I think they'll start to turn the corner. TJ, you kind of laughed about that, maybe inherited a team that doesn't fit his style. Like I, I, yeah, I don't uh, – I'm not for sure which one would fit his style. And, and like Steve, I mean, he got he, he got dealt some just freak athletes at Oklahoma State. Yeah. And, and you throw the Phil Forte in there who can shoot it from 40 oh, feet true. and, yeah, and sure. shoots it anywhere. But I think the, the biggest part that I like about him, he, he's – He's going to be aggressive on the floor, but it looks like he's really aggressive off the floor. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think his biggest plus for me was I love the three assistants he brought in. And I think that goes so long anymore is you got to have three horses as your assistant if you're going to coach for, you know, at a major Division One program for more than five or six years. You look at one of those assistants, Jeff Alexander, he's going to be out here today. He comes from his dad's style was kind of slow, kind of methodical. <laughs> this guy has seen almost every aspect and different sides of the basketball court. I mean, cause that's not going to be Illinois even at all. No, no. He, he better get that one, two, two out of his head quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the guys marked it a story on Mike Finke, who, I mean, he he kind of seems like a big who can fit in the system. He shot the ball pretty well last year, especially in Big Ten play. What do you guys think of maybe his fit? He's one of the guys that was inherited in, but what do you think of his fit with this program in the way out? Underwood runs his offense. Well, I think Mike is a type of guy, type of player. His skill set is going to fit in anywhere now. I mean, you yeah. know, if you he he would probably to me he's a he's a great stretch four. Mm-hmm. He's got the size to play the center position, but really, are there any centers anymore? Especially in college yeah. basketball, you just got bigs and you got wings for the most part. And I think that his skill set is going to fit in very very well. And what you see with Brad Underwood, I cannot remember the kid from uh, Stephen F. Austin that was the stud. He was an undersized uh, forward. Nathan, this kid was tough. Yeah. But what? But what? My point is that Underwood put him in position to be successful, and he's going to do the same thing with the personnel he's got now. Yeah, and then there's a lot of freshmen who who are making waves. They lost out on one in Tillman, but they end up getting the Mark Smith kid from Edwardsville. They've got the two the two big guys. I think the two big foreign guys who can get up and down the court and they can run like crazy. Mm-hmm. Have you guys got a chance to kind of dive into any of these freshmen at all? I'm from Peoria, so Demonte Williams is a guy. Mm-hmm. His dad was uh, an Illinois legend. I mean, he's a guy who's coming in off an ACL injury. Have you guys got a chance to really dive into any of these freshmen? Uh, I got to watch DeMonte play some over AAU ball, which is, I mean, he's just like Frank. He's got so much skill and so much talent. Uh, the Mark Smith, I mean, everything that I was told from, from people around Edwards, I mean, he's come in <clears throat> with a Big Ten body already, especially the late 80s, early 90s. Man, it was, when you said Big Ten back then, I mean, someone was, you were getting hurt and the cats wore your elbow pads <laughs> on your elbow. You know, I mean, it was type like that. So he's coming in. I think physically already ready to play, yeah, yeah. and that's that puts him probably a couple, you know, above a couple of the other ones, and maybe some other veterans that's been there a couple of years. So, I think if he can get get some good minutes out of him and get some of these new freshmen some minutes on this fast-paced.
game, I, I think it's going to be an interesting season. But I, I like DeMarc Smith because he's Big Ten ready. Uh, he stayed home. You know, he didn't leave the state unlike you just said Tillman did. So uh, I, I'm going to watch him close this year. Yeah, I, I like uh, what Mark Smith brings. And the funny thing is is that you know, I get the benefit of going around the Big Ten, the Big East, covering teams. And about three coaches, uh, mainly Thad Mata, was crazy about Mark Smith saying this dude can flat out play. And, you know, he was a baseball player. So he's a great athlete. So he can do a lot of different things. TJ mentioned that he's got the NBA-ready body, uh, Big Ten-ready body. Um, the, but the the, the kind of like intriguing, me. yeah, kind of like you, <laughs> Thanks, man. Twenty years ago, but, uh, the the two of the tr- most intriguing people, Mark Allstart Stork. Yep. yep. He's not a freshman, but he's a transfer. And the kid can score. He's going to be big. But under the, the radar guy at Wright State, really. Totally under the radar. But the the key to the the, the recruiting is Mark Smith. But one B is going to be this big kid from Detroit. I'm telling you, this African kid can play. Yeah. He comes from a very good program in uh, University of Detroit, Mercy. And um, very fundamentally sound. He played with Cassius Winston, who okay. was at Michigan State. Yeah. He played with okay. them in high school. This kid can play. So there's going to be some surprises there. And I expect, I can't pronounce his name, but he's going to be one. Okay. You, you better be working on that because here in a couple <laughs> oh, months you're going to have to it. figure it I, out. I, I, I got it. I just, but I like to ask him, TJ, because I know he's got <laughs> parents that are watching. I don't want to mess his name up okay. on national television. I think you guys hit it with recruiting. This Illinois has lost some big names in the state. I mean, you look at, I remember. Eric Gordon, right? He goes to Indiana, hits that half quarter that just broke our hearts. But you look at big names from the Chicago area, the Edwardsville area, the St. Louis, that that Metro St. Louis area. You get into the Champaigns, Peoria, into Indy. How easy is it for Underwood to sell this style? Because to me, a high school player would love to play. You know, hey, you get a you get an open offense, you get a chance to put up some numbers and run. I mean, how easy would it be for him to sell this style to recruits? I think it'd be easy. Uh, But the big thing is, you got to win. Yeah. I mean, Illinois hasn't won lately, and that's why we've been losing out on recruits. You know, players are selfish, and they're selfish because we made them that way. Our generation has made them that way. So we put them in all these things. They get ranked. They, they get their own workout people. So they, you know, they, they, they do this, and then they come to school, and we're expecting them to play as a cohesive unit. Well, they've been all individualized. Right. And so I think that, you know, we'll, we'll see that these guys will come back, and if, if Underwood can get – excitement back if he can get some excitement and they get some wins then the recruits will come but guys don't want to go to a middle big 10 school lower level big 10 school they can go somewhere and be upper level big east they can go upper level acc they don't want to do that even if it's a home state school and so that's what it is that that's the that's the nature of the game in my opinion what do you think i mean that's it i mean you can even go to as they call it now your mid-major but you're going to go to your mid-major knowing i'm getting to the ncaa tournament mid-majors have developed so much you know and it is i mean you can't put valpo and wichita state in a mid-major you know category anymore because every year they're getting to the tournament so why do i want to come here when i can go to wichita state play against great competition and i'm getting in the tournament compared to we don't have that vibe you know we're trying to figure out can we get to the nit or or the other CTIB or whatever they're trying to call <laughs> the third generation. Uh, so it's like Steve said, once once he starts winning, 
and you know that, hey, I signed in Illinois. I know we're going to go 24-7 and seven and we're getting to the sweet. You know, that, that's the vibe he's got to yeah. get back. You mentioned mid-majors, and that, there's someone that, I mean, they're kind of throwing like a kink in the NCAA plan yeah, because yeah. there's no more you just put one person, or, you know, one team from their conference winner in sure. there. I mean, these guys are getting at-large bids, yeah. and they're getting to the next level. I think that's big, too. You look at, like, Ron Baker of Wichita State the last few years. Alec Peters. Was I mean I'm, I watched You're him. I remember there, yeah. growing up watching this kid, and he was underrated for being as good as he was at Valpo. Gets drafted by the Suns, so it's no longer. I mean, those Power Five schools still, I think, hold that kind of that level that you want to go play in a Power Five, but it's not necessary to get to the tournament and get to the league anymore. No, I think a good friend of mine is Mark Few out of Gonzaga. Yeah, he, yeah. And he is a coach that has not run to run away from happy. A yeah. lot of coaches run away from happy, and he is he's seen that. Look, I've got Gonzaga as well positioned as any school in the country. Not even really a mid-major anymore. No, at this they're not point. a mid-major. By anyway. conference only, exactly, I would say. Yeah. Exactly. And even in that conference. Now, you got BYU, St. Mary's is going to be rough yeah. again this year. They're, they're perennial NCAA tournament teams. So it's it's a different landscape. It wasn't like T, when TJ and I were coming through. We didn't have the internet. We couldn't watch guys on, on, on the internet. We had Street and Smith magazine. That was, and that was pretty much it. And so you wanted to stay regional because you had regional pride. That, that no longer exists. But if Underwood can win, there's a special feeling about Illinois when it's winning yeah. that can attract the local town and even kids from Indiana that we seem to struggle with. And that's what I wanted to ask you guys about is my last memory, I mean, I'm 26, and my memory was that 2005 team, which was unbelievable. What is the vibe around Champaign-Urbana like, and especially in the State Farm Center now or you know that, that arena when Illinois is? <laughs> Illinois what I mean how can you describe it what is that that feeling like all I know is they sell beer now at the State Farm Center <laughs> so when you go back and watch a game it don't matter if you're winning or losing you don't have to focus much on it but uh, I mean I only live 10 minutes from it it's you know the, the you're they're already trying to get the vibe up for basketball and and that's the bad part because when lovey and the football's not winning you know they Great turn point. quick and want to go right to basketball if you can get lovey winning and get what he he's capable of doing, then basketball is going to get that hype. And, and and the bad part is the last four or five years, the best hype come out of U, U of I is Mike Small and golf. Yeah, right. You know, yeah, and, right. and the girls softball made an NCAA tournament run last year. So you got all these spring sports that are dominating in our in our fall sports, and then basketball is kind of it's kind of hurting the vibe or, or to really yeah. get you want to go back. Well, and the thing is, when 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 it's rolling in Champaign. Uh, Everybody in the area has got something orange and blue on, and you will know it, and they will they will seek you out. It's just a different feeling. And then you go to Chicago, and the city's on fire for Illinois athletics. So the, all you have to do is win, and the state becomes electric around the Illini. You talked about Underwood's confidence earlier, and I think his confidence is through the roof through his first few months. Usually when a coach takes over a program, they kind of dip their feet in the water a little bit and say, yeah, we want to win. We want to build this up to win. That's not what Brad Underwood's doing. He's coming out and saying, we think we're a tournament team. Mm-hmm. We, you know, he told Mark we had a great, not good, but a great summer. I mean, he's coming out and he's not wasting. I mean, that, that's like a contagious confidence to me. They're tweeting out pictures of these freshmen who go through this Fletcher training regime. I don't oh, even yeah. know what it yeah, is, but they, he works yeah. these guys like crazy. They have to. I mean, this confidence, thats to me, that's what starts this whole thing. I think you were here earlier when Laurie Kearns was talking about building a culture, and Underwood's done that from day one. It seems like he's come in here and just instilled everything he wants to do right now and today. Well, you got to remember something. Brad Underwood was at 
probably the toughest Division One job as an assistant for 10 years. He was at Western Illinois. Yeah. Now think about that for a second. He's in Macomb, Illinois There's for not a lot 10 Macomb. years. Yeah. So he knows every corner yeah. of the state. Yeah. He's got relationships that go back 10, 20 years. And the fact that, I'm going to go back to what TJ said, he hired the right staff mm -hmm. because Chen is a Chicago guy. Orlando Antigua is a national guy. Yeah. I don't know about Alexander. I don't know. Um, that's Jeff. Jeff, yeah, Jeff right? like, I, I don't yeah. know his background a, a great deal, but the point being is that the head coach knows the state like any other head coach in Division One. He's got relationships, and he brought the staff in, hopefully to give him a boost to where he's not strong. So he's gonna be confident because he knows what he's he knows what he's getting yeah. into. Yeah. So I, I think that's where his confidence comes from. And he kept Jamal with him, you know, who, yeah. who was probably the head recruiter with Mark Smith and some of these other guys that they've yeah. been recruiting for two or three years. So I really liked him keeping Jamal here because he he, he knows he knows what it's gonna have to take now. You know, everyone, the, that big bragging rights game, I think it's going to be a lot more this year than it has been in years past. What do you guys make of what Mizzou's doing with Tillman and the Porter brothers, who by all accounts are at least Michael's one of the top three best players in college basketball coming into it? What, what do you make of just building that rivalry back up? Well, the thing is, Missouri is, uh, you know, it's an SEC school now. We, yeah. A lot of times we tend to forget that. Yeah. We think still Big Ten, Big, 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 Big 12, 12, you know, type thing. But this is an SEC school. There's immediate pressure to win. Mm -hmm. And and Quanzo knows that. Yeah. And so you come in and you've got to get players, yeah. period. And that's what Quanzo's done everywhere he's been. Um, and so I think the border war uh, – I don't, I don't have my game assignment yet. I hope I'm not working so I can go as a fan because it's going to be crazy in there. That might be one of the most anticipated border I wars think, in years. I think so. Oh, it's – yeah. I, I, if I call to get tickets, that's the only game I'm, I'm, I'm making the Missouri game. Yeah. I don't think there's a choice. Uh, you know, we had Tolman for so long. Obviously, he goes to Missouri, then he brings in the Porter boys and everybody else. And I haven't even seen – uh, they had a 2018 kid decommit from Ohio State, and then a week later said, I'm going to stay home and go to Missouri. Mm -hmm. So they're already getting the 2018 kids. Yeah. So I, I think the Missouri basketball vibe's there, and that's what Underwood's got to do. He's got to get right. that much excitement for, you know, we're after a couple horses in Chicago to get those guys. we got to get the same excitement that's around Missouri basketball right now, and around Illinois basketball. For everything Underwood is to Illinois, knowing the state, Quanzo Martin is to Missouri. He, he's a St. Louis, I believe, St. Louis he's guy. He's St. Yeah, he's St. Louis. Louis. Actually, Illinois guy. Illinois guy, but he but knows that state. He does and that was state. a big draw for them to get him. Yep. Yep. Uh, you mentioned going up and getting some of those Chicago guys. That's a big area, and I think Underwood's made it a point pretty quickly to get up to Chicago and see the, the Morgan Parks who are in Peoria for the state finals almost mm -hmm. every year. The Io Desmansu kid. That kid can play. I've watched him this summer. He's good. They're he, locked in on him. I yeah, mean, Morgan I, Park kid. Yeah, yeah I think that every, kid's good. They had the Peoria kid, Adam Miller, the, the sophomore transfer up there. So, I mean, I think that <laughs> Morgan Park specifically is just going to be loaded with scouts. They're recruiting but, better than we are right but, now. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> to get up there, though, to get, is that the biggest key for Illinois recruiting? Is that Chicago area? Where there's just with so many schools there just by sheer number? Or is, there, is there another? Yeah, I think it's key because here's the thing. Um, I'm a history buff. And so the last two times Illinois has been to the Final Four of the National Championship, they had almost every top player out of the city of Chicago. You, and, it, you know, so I get a lot of criticism for that when I go on national television and say that from my colleagues. <laughs> but you know what? I lived it. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. It's the truth. And, it, and every Final Four team in the last 20 years has had a player from Chicago. Yeah. Go back and look it up. Yeah. He mentioned Wichita State earlier. Fred Van Vliet. 
was a Rockford kid. Really? I didn't I actually know. He's that. from mm-hmm. Rockford, Illinois. How do you let a kid from Rockford, Illinois get out of your backyard? Yeah. Chase on Randall, Quad City. 76ers now, yeah. So if you've got to you've got to lock your borders down. We can't lock all the kids down because there's a lot of kids in the state yeah, of Illinois. Yeah, but yeah. the top kids have to know that you, you're going, you're thinking Illinois or you're thinking Kentucky or Kansas. Right. You're not thinking anything else. You, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So I think that that's going to come, and his assistants are going to do a great job in that because they can get down and dirty, which you have yeah. to do in Chicago. Yeah. You guys got up and down and ran. Who was your Fletcher? Who, who is your strength and conditioning coach? We're kind of horror stories. Oh, I mean, you man. look at Fletcher and these guys, are, he's does amazing work with these guys. I mean, there's body transformation straight, I mean, night and day with these guys after a few weeks. Who was your guy? What kind of horror stories do you guys uh, have from that? Yeah, so, but I, I think just just even, you know, when we played back, the game is so different. And I think they've taken the, street, the strength training and everything to just a whole nother right level. There. I mean, yeah, we lifted and we ran. But uh, there wasn't a fancy equipment now you got to help your vertical. You know, uh, I mean, we just ran two or three days a week in the morning on Memorial Stadium field and lifted two or three days. Now these guys, they're taking it to a whole new level. And I think that's, I mean, I think I left 10 or 15 pounds bigger from my freshman year to my senior year. And sure as the hell probably wasn't because of lifting. (laughs) uh, So, you know, I just think the way a strength trainer is today compared to who we had, it's apples to oranges. It's completely different. And so he missed Dwight Dobb. So Dwight Dobb was our strength and conditioning coach. It went on, I think he's with Oklahoma City now, yeah. Thunder. Okay. And uh, the first day, I'll never forget it, uh, he, he was hard ass. He was tough. He put buckets around the Memorial Stadium uh, field. And so we're running 300-yard uh, mm-hmm. sprints. I kept thinking, like, what the hell are the buckets for? At the end of the sprints, I found out what the bucket's <laughs> for. So you throw up in a bucket, you wipe your mouth, and then you go lift. Oh, man. So that was our final four year. And I think that's why we got to the final four, because we had done a certain training regimen up until that point that was a little bit antiquated. Yeah. Dwight Dobb brought us into the real world and got us, you know, basketball condition ready. And I think that was one of the reasons we had so much success. I want to break it off a little more nationally for my last thing for you is you're a Big Ten, you work for the Big Ten, you travel all over. What's the Big Ten shaping up like this year? I mean, you got your Michigan State. I don't care what kind of year they may or, you know, they had. They've still got Tom Izzo. He's still the, the barometer of Big Ten. What, what's the Big Ten looking like? Well, Big Ten's going to be top heavy. I mean, because Michigan State, uh, by all intents and purposes, could be number one, two, or three, <laughs> regardless of, uh, depending on who is doing the rankings. They'll be top three in the country preseason. Uh, Northwestern is going to be very good. Um, Chris Collins has done an amazing job there. Minnesota's done. Minnesota's going to be very good. Purdue's going to be very good. So the the league's going to be top heavy, as opposed to last year where it was a lot of lot of continuity between, say, two and ten. There was a lot of continuity. This year, I think it's going to be four to five really, really solid. top 25 teams and the rest of the league will, will try to scrap scrap out for that you know fifth and sixth spot mentioned Illinois is crazy when it's good Minnesota's got a nice little home field cooking like when they're home court when they're good that place is rocking in Minnesota oh the barn is amazing I mean I that's one of the, my favorite places to call yeah. a game uh, because it's so unique it's got a lot of history and uh, Minneapolis is a sleeper market Wisconsin's been living on Minnesota players for years mm-hmm. Uh, and now that Matino, uh, Patino's trying to hold the, the talent in the state, that's one of the reasons why Minnesota is where they are now. And so 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see this year, man. It's, it's uh, you know, it's never a dull year in the Big Ten. I don't care what anybody says. I do have one thing, one more thing. It's mm -hmm. Big Ten with their expansion, the, the tournaments out in Madison, Madison Square, Square Garden. Garden, a little different. It kind of throws the whole schedule of TJ shaking his head. It should never have left Chicago. <laughs> I understand going back to Chicago to Indy, Chicago to Indy. But, I, yeah, going out there, I don't I don't see how the Big Ten's making any money. they got to be losing money. Well, and it throws a little bit of a wrinkle in the schedule early on. you got a couple conference games, then your non-conference schedule, yeah. then back to conference. What do you guys make of that? And just there's a break now between the Big Ten tournament, like a real break, mm -hmm. and the NCAA tournament. What do you guys make of that? Because I don't think Michigan does what Michigan does last year with that break. Great point. I, I, I think that Jim Delaney runs the conference yeah. and runs it with an iron fist. And I mean that in all, all positivity. Right. And so I differ from TJ <laughs> only because I get to see it. And when the tournament was in D.C. last year, it was really cool. Okay. Yeah. And to get to different markets like that, it's all about television revenue. Yeah. That's what we're talking yeah. about. That's why all these changes are taking place. So if you accept that, think about it. Big Ten in Madison Square Garden, yeah. you're like you're putting your flag down in the biggest – market in the country i mean i i'm looking forward to it. that's gonna be pretty hype i'm gonna the be a little big jealous breaking too. up a little bit i mean there's a chance for the big 10 I, I think maybe to move in there but this i think the scheduling is a little weird yeah and i think also i think they're you know with the big east and um big east and big 10 have done such a good job of working together because people don't realize the footprint is the same if you look at creighton nebraska yeah. wisconsin marquette yeah. depaul northwestern butler uh, Purdue or Xavier, Indiana. Yeah. I mean, it's the footprint is yeah. very similar, yeah, and they point. work together a lot. And so, uh, you may see a flip flop. You may see the Big East go early one year, and then the following year uh, have the Big Ten come at the normal time. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. But you know, this is what this is what college what athletics is. is all about: TV revenue. You gave me your sleeper for Illinois was the Detroit kid, right? Yes. TJ, who's yours? He transferred to DePaul. I love the oh, Coleman Lands kid. Oh, I love yeah. that kid. Yeah. I, I loved everything about him. He, he came from La Lu where he knew how you know how to play. That's going to hurt us. I agree. That, that's going to hurt us big time. And uh, I, I'll have to go with just because I, I think he's ready to play. I, I'm going to watch Mark Smith close and see how he develops. I think he could be a really good one for us. I liked what I saw to Tajon Lucas last year when he was able to get in. I thought he could really play. Now, see, here's the thing, too. Now, you thought he could play last year. He was recovering from a devastating injury he had his senior year in high school. So he was he's not yeah. he's just now getting 100 percent. So he's going to be somebody. To I think he could be well. a big X factor. Oh, I, I totally agree. And the fact that he's got Mark Smith, he doesn't have a lot of pressure. Yeah. See, there's other guys that people are looking for that he could come in and really play his game.